hand into the fire. Run. Run! Hello and welcome to episode 33 of Out of the Frying Pan, a Middle-Earth strategy battle game podcast. He is gathering all evil to him. Very soon he will summon an army great enough to launch an assault upon Middle-Earth. He will. And we will. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> how's, how's it going, mate? A skirmishing right. force, maybe. <laughs> I'm good. Yourself? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good, actually. Pretty good. It's nice uh, nice and hot, but that, I, like the, I like the warm weather. I think we discussed this the other week. You... You're not a fan of it, so I do not. I'm sitting under the fan, and I have ice in all my drinks, even the hot ones. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all good, all good. It's um, I can't believe we're on episode 33, so we're one third of the way towards Palantir status. <laughs> Will we get there? Well, we've only got to get to 99, haven't we? So exactly, the same. Yeah, yeah they'll, they'll 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 do one eventually. Eventually, I think they're enjoying the keeping people waiting um but it'll be an advert for battle streams that's what it'll be, <laughs> that'll be don't, don't give them ideas don't give them ideas uh, do you want to tell everyone what we've got coming up on the show today of course we've got our usual uh, uh many meetings uh where we have a bit of a chat about what we've been up to any news anything that's been going on then we're going to have our main subject in the council of elrond which is prepare for battle where we're going to talk about uh, basically raising an army uh, from conception, sort of what you've raised one for, you know, whether it's specifically for an event or just for the sake of it. So you had a, a mad idea at two in the morning when you couldn't sleep. Then we're going to move on to our heroic deathmatch. Uh, this time we have Hurin the Tall versus Raza Fang of the Serpent. And then the usual closeout. So uh, without further ado, shall we go into many meetings? Incom Gaming, the new centre for tabletop wargaming in Gloucestershire. Visit incomgaming.co.uk for great savings on pre-orders and all your hobby needs. We stock many gaming systems and hobby accessories and can ship to anywhere in the UK. Market-leading gaming mats from gamemats.eu. Visit the store and check out how to turn your tabletop into a battlefield. Incom Gaming is based in the centre of Cheltenham and offers tables and scenery for casual and organised play with a fully licensed bar. Check out our events page for upcoming events where everyone is welcome. Visit incomgaming.co.uk. Incom Gaming. Come game, shop, drink. And we're here with many meetings. Um, and let's roll straight into it. So, Dan, news. Do we have any news? No biggies. We've not necessarily had any uh, new models or uh, new previews or anything like that at the moment. Uh, but uh, we did have a little bit of a out-of-the-frying-pan uh, takeover on the old Warcom. Uh, Dan Impressor once again did one of his um, community uh, posts where he shows off some of the, the painting uh, according to usually a theme, in which case it was Heroes of Legend. So we submitted uh, a couple of our models uh, when we uh, when they had the thread up. And he chose one of both of ours, actually, um, uh, my Dane and your Saruman, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was really nice. I'd forgotten about it, to be honest with you. It was, um, me too. A little while ago, he messaged me and, and uh, said, can I put it up? And I was like, yeah, of course, absolutely. That's why I replied in your thread. Brilliant stuff now. It was really cool. It's really nice when your stuff goes up. It's um, I think it's the second time I've had something up there now, which is um, it's always nice to see. It's always nice to get a little. Yeah, we've even got the thumbnail. 
I didn't even really notice that. Both of our models are on the thumbnail as well. Oh, wow. Cool. wow. Well, there we go. We've reached new heights. We've been on a, on a thumbnail. Um, no, you know, it's, joking aside, it's really, really cool to to, to have your models selected to go up there on an article. It's uh, it's nice to do it. Um, it's nice to yeah. do something I paint, painted last December now. So it's um, yeah, it reminded me that uh, I need to, to, to start paint, looking forward to painting. I say looking forward to painting some smaller models when Smile's finished. I only moved to slightly smaller models. But um, and then as you said, there's not really been a lot of other news around. There's obviously news releases and things at the moment. Um, we started to see the odd event again, though, haven't we? So um, I don't have any kind of any sort of winners or losers or anything from the events. But um, there we don't we um, see many problems, have we? Other than um, oh, uh, paints on a four up. Um, yes. I'm gonna, he's going to have to forgive me. Um, Cameron gonna, paints on a four Cameron. up. Yeah, he's. Uh, I've been watching yes, watching some stuff on his YouTube channel today. So well worth. He's done a little uh, couple of little videos. I've nearly finished his one from Harry's event, um, the uh, Lord of the Imps. I think it's. Yeah, called. didn't he wooden spoon that? He did. He did. He wooden um, spooned it. He did wooden spoon it, but it sounded like he had a. a he's got two videos. One he talks a little bit about being a bit nervous beforehand because he's not been to a tournament before, and you worry about rules and things when you've go to an event and I can completely understand that kind of tournament anxiety that first time you go with a new with a new system um, to an environment where you picture that everyone there knows the rules at the back of the hand and you you know you've only been playing it with your small group of mates and stuff and but once you go you after that first 20 minutes usually you just suddenly everything relaxes and uh, you realize that it's not a big scary thing to go to events but it sounded like he had an absolutely fantastic time um I, what was it called is it, is it the two powers was was his event this time around i'm trying try to remember what time um, because i couldn't make it. i forgot the name of the event but it's, it's harry from Mood, but stroke battles in um, middle game battle games in middle earth um i think it was called the two powers um um so that uh, event he's, he's really put up a, a a note about doing another uh, Lord of the Imps as well later in the year. Yes, that's why I'm getting, that. the, that's why I'm getting the two months out because I had an invite for that. I can't make it. That's in that's in that busy October we were talking about. Yeah, last time. Emma, Emma's actually no away one. as well. Emma's away that weekend doing stuff with one of her friends in in London. So um, so yeah, there's absolutely no chance I'd have to bring a two year old and a six year old with me. And that that ain't happening. Um, so, so that event ran. Um, Derry's um, Guardians event ran yes. um, down in big in bristol um i think there was one at seven city collectibles as well was that another rings of men one so i think we've had yes. three events that um kind of are known on the scene anyway that uh, that happened so it's uh, the return of of those kind of things again which is quite cool it's quite heartening to see that kind of stuff coming back and the community starting to to play games again um which is good really really good to see but other than that there's no kind of pressing news since we last recorded it's only been a couple of weeks it's been we don't get to see that very often it's only been no. a couple of weeks not this year not this year i mean we were um, we were looking at reviews weren't we a couple of weeks ago looking at reviews of the podcast um and i uh, looked at some of the reviews and sometimes you can't see what the comments are unless you go to the different stuff around the world there was one from australia that said um it was really good comment said really fantastic stuff about the podcast i won't read it out because i haven't got it to hand but it basically didn't say something along the lines of it's really nice to know that they're going to become regular every every two weeks or something like that and I'm like, uh, <laughs> we're not like we're not that good anymore but they only gave us one star anyway which i think was a mistake based on how nice i did i don't think it was sarcasm they were generally being really nice and it was written at a point where we were doing one every fortnight but um it goes to show but um 
yeah, we 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 we're probably back to doing this every fortnight again, which is which is the plan, which is the plan. We're certainly trying anyway. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, yeah, well, we got we never, we've never done this before, but if you are listening to us and you like like the show, please do leave us a review because it you know, apparently, as all the podcasters and things always say in all their podcasts, it does help. Apparently, I don't know if it does or not, but apparently. Uh, a review there's reviews and ratings and they are different things review is when you type something and the rating is what you how many stars you gave so as i said we had that excellent review with a one star rating um but all of our other ratings thankfully are good so it doesn't mess our average up too much um but if you feel kind enough and want to write us a review from whatever um you know, Apple's a good one because uh, if you're on Apple, they really help. But on any of your your ways of listening to the podcast, whether that's Spotify or whether that's directly on Pod, you know Podbean or anything like that, give it, you know, give us a review. Apparently, that's really helpful. Don't worry if you don't know. We're not going to lose any sleep over it. But anyway, Dan, if you what have you been up to since um, since well for two in the last two weeks, really? What have you been up to? Uh, actually, quite a lot. Come to think of it, um, I based up my Champions of Erebor. Uh, they were finished last time. Uh, uh, we spoke. I uh, based up the second half of my Mordor army. So actually, I, I've done a lot of basing. I think I pretty much took an entire weekend out and just did nothing but base stuff. Um, I fully painted and based up my Thranduil on Elk. He got done. So he's up in the socials. Um, I ordered and received, etc. my Uruk Scouts. The Uruk Scout captain with two-handed weapon is complete, although he needs uh, his base doing. And I've pretty much finished the skin on 24 Oryx Scouts. So quite. <laughs> that's quite, yeah, that's, 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 a, that's breaking the back of it. That's my style of painting. That is big back to get it all done. How are you finding it? Well, it's, it's, it's mortar all over again, really, isn't it? But um, <laughs> it's, it's not too bad. I think for lesser troops and just getting the, the you know, the, the chaff out the way, it's not necessarily the worst way of doing things. It also ensures a degree of consistency, particularly yes. with quite a, um, limited color palette as the uh, Uruk scouts are maintaining a degree of coherency to the paint palette and everything is quite important yeah so yeah i mean generally that kind of thing doesn't bother me too much these days admittedly i've not really done much in the last couple of days this week's been pretty devoid of hobby i started the the skin and stuff because i think the models only turned up last friday perhaps um so i did the scout captain while everyone else was watching england kick a ball about on Sunday <laughs> and then um, yeah I uh, I did the, the rest of the Europe bits and pieces beginning of this week and but uh, last couple of days I've just been catching up on a bit of telly I'm honest with you yeah you've still so, done a lot though haven't you that's uh, oh yeah yeah I don't, I don't I like the way you that. just kind of skip past you said, oh, I did some basing that took up a weekend and I fully painted and based around one out can you know, you just kind of skim past that like you I don't know like you based something else but that's quite a in a fortnight since we last recorded that's quite a big cool project to do isn't it and it's you've done a fantastic job of it it's beautiful beautifully done thank you i did enjoy painting thunder in the actual fairness i had painted his, his face and his hair on uh one of the uh, battle streams mm. probably about six weeks ago something like that but because uh, that was when um damien was running the the, the best model and obviously yeah. anyone who any model that was nominated for that in any of the categories was eligible for being the, the model for that stream. So that was the week I did uh, Thranduil. And there was the reason I bought him, actually. So uh, that whole uh, painting up your models thing is going really well for battle streams for me. <laughs> thing is, I don't, I don't really have a backlog, so everything I decide to buy to do along with the stream is 
you know, it's improving my hobby in that way. So yeah, no, I, no foul on that one. I mean, I haven't made a live one for ages, um, but um, even if one, even when I do, it's probably only sort of one in three that it, it it works. Usually because I've got I've got projects that are fairly time limited anyway. If I want to get them done, so. I'm getting four hours to myself in an evening to do some painting. I generally want to sort of get my head down and, and, and try and catch up. But if I can um, paint something, I will. But it's been it's been a little while, I think. And this it's Gondor stuff this Friday, so tomorrow as we're recording. And I don't know. I may yet to be able to join in. I'm not sure. Um, depends what time the work wife gets home from work. But even if I do, I won't be Gondor. Many many projects. We've been talking a bit about this, haven't we? About the kind of amount of stuff that that's acceptable to have as your backlog and what gives you anxiety and what's all right to be kind of put away and i have a lot of gondor and uh i'm very happy to have it sitting in a box but i'm not going to get a spur of plastics out when i've still got so much else to do at the moment and so if i do if i do join the stream live i'll no doubt i'll be painting and doing some work on smog or something like that we'll, we'll see how it goes but yeah i don't think necessarily it'll be uh uh, doing actual, I know it won't be a Gondor model this Friday. I know that much for sure because I don't own it at the moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know what yourself. it'll be this Friday. I, I may just make a start on the basis for the um, Uruk Scouts. Yeah, that's a good shout. Have you got all your bases for them as well? Then as all, all sorts. Oh of yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm doing my monthly stipend to Matt at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I've I literally just had to order a load more magnets as well. I'm, I'm burning through paintbrushes as, as as it goes as well. I mean, normally they last quite a while, but. I've done so much painting in the last 12 months of the Rosemary and Co. getting a fair chunk out of me as well. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think I used, uh, I've used over a hundred magnets in the last month and I've just ordered a hundred more. Wow. wow. I need to, I'm, I've still not given him any money. It's just because of the way I do projects. I've not had a project that works for it, but I want to, I really want to. It might be when I finally get around to do my, um, the, uh, my, my dwarves from the Hobbit, do the 13. I might, I may well, go to him then because i don't fancy making up um the wooden floor the wooden stuff from uh, oh god no um, so that, that'll be i nice. need to order some more of his um forgotten dungeon to do dog order basis for the uh adventures of the necromancer and um gandalf and dane or thrain sorry yeah um and the uh, castellans i'm gonna need to go some more of those um get them done up and yes. uh, i'm gonna need probably more um, of his rolling planes for the other parts of my Isengard because I'll do those to match my scouts. Yes, yeah. So I can put it all together on the same battlefield later and, you know, for when we need it for um, Plastic Crack Con. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, did, I, did yeah. Look at, I did look at those when I was looking at the Rohan stuff, but because I'm kind of using all of the dismounts for Defenders of Helm's Deep but also adding a little bit of the odd little tuft so I can kind of, so it looks all right in the middle of a field, I didn't know if I wanted the the mounts to look so completely different. So there's always been a reason why I've not gone ahead and done it because I love the ranges, but there's always been it's like with the I was going to go f- use them for for the Azog stuff, but then I wanted them to be on bases that matched my um, my Erebor dwarves and the the Iron Hills, and so it's, so I so I, again I went for something that matched those, which matched my display boards. So there's always been a reason I'm not not giving them any money yet, but. Um, I think those smaller the sets are the way to go. Like I said, like the uh, like like the dwarves, um, that would be a that would be a good sort of character filled set to use them in, rather than an army that I might want to keep adding stuff to all the time. I can see I can see when it's more of a focused, smaller project than it working out better. Um, so yeah, so you, when you've done these uh, these Uruks, we have a plan, don't we? When you finished your scouts, 
yes, um, I need to paint up my uh, Amon Hen uh, seeing seat and do a bit of terrain. So when I get paid, uh, that's going to be a trip down to the train shop to buy bits and pieces. Uh, and then uh, hopefully, very soon, I should be able to host and do the ambush Amon Hen scenario. Yeah, also, I'm looking forward to being the other side of the, uh, the camera, the, the camera <laughs> yes. for that thing. Um, it'll be really, really good. Um, I don't know how you're you going to do it. Have you got, um, you're just going to use your phone like I did, or are you going to try and fit a camera up somewhere? And uh... I need to look in, as we started tonight, you've bought yourself a new camera, so that's a yeah. conversation we will have. So see whether that's in my budget. Um because after switching jobs, I'm still in that awkward transition period. So I've got enough money to sort my table out, I think, uh, at the end of this month. Yes. Uh, on top of everything else I bought recently. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to see how we get on. Um, it's it's, sort of, it's an awkward one because I've got a really nice DSLR, but it's just before they started doing decent video capture on them. It's just a really good camera, camera, camera. for taking actual photos. Yes. Um, so, unfortunately, that's no good for me. Um, so we're, we're going to see how we get on. Um Maybe it, it might just be. I mean, I've got buying yourself a, a, a mid-priced gimbal for your um, for your mobile. Might just do good. So I've not. I've got one since. So if we if we did one again, and I was going to go down that route, I could. Uh, what I really want, and someone might be able to help with this, especially. Uh, I'd love to be able to do just normal Discord type chat, but really quickly be able to switch between cameras. I wonder if there's any plugins or anything that does that, or even dual camera mode. But it just it's not. Does anyone know of it, like a streaming? service does zoom do it i don't know i don't only use zoom when i've been a guest on something but i wonder if there's any of those streamy type service so we we're recording now over discord and we can flick our cameras on if we want to but i wonder if there's a one out there that you can almost run two images um because that'd be quite cool wouldn't it even for when you're not streaming when you're playing a private game um or even just recording both i suppose recording would be different but even just we could play a game but to also have like the top down and the uh and do the handheld as well. It'd be quite cool to see two things, wouldn't it? So you've always got one view and and and, and comb the other because, you know, as much as the it's COVID will is changing, we still live quite a distance apart, and so we will probably still continue to have the old narrative game using the the way we've done it. And um, um, I bought a decent new. I wasn't say now. I bought a decent new webcam because the one on the iMac is is well, it's, it's a standard. It's only seven twenty, even with the new ones. I think. And well, my Mac's a year old now, but even then, seven twenty is not great. So I've got a um, a four K essentially um, webcam Logitech one, um, which won't stream at four K because most streaming places will cut it to ten eighty, but it can record at that. So technically, if we had a game now, we you saw how clear it was. It'd probably be quite good to have sitting up over a table, but you, you may well still want me to go in closer for certain certain bits. So it'd be awesome to be able to switch between the two, wouldn't it? Or you just see two. Um, yeah, I think the problem, biggest problem we'd have with Zoom, unfortunately, would be, uh, I don't think, unless you've got a paid account, you can yeah. actually do it for more than like 40 minutes or something like that. Yeah, I just, yeah, I'd, to be honest with you, if, unless a, if a paid account was, I don't know, I'd look, in, I'd look into it. There's, there are things, um, and unless we set up a stream, and but you only share the link to you or something, I suppose that's another way of doing it. So chat to the people that use streaming software that's another option isn't it potentially just got to we'll be a way to of doing it steve yeah there's <laughs> a few yeah yeah absolutely that might be a way of doing it i'm gonna think about it some some of the streaming software that yes subscription based but i you know something i can make you we can make use of potentially in the future and i might make use of for miniature realms um and that's another way of doing it is if i just share the link with you and keep it as a private 
um, video, but still host it through YouTube or something like that. No one's ever going to see it, are they? You just delete it afterwards. Um, just thinking of ways that you could, you could kind of, you could look at a screen and see two views all the time. Um, anyway, answers and a postcard, people, if you um, can help us with that. Um, Ideally, in a way that doesn't cost me too much money because I don't have huge amounts at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> People well, spending all on miniatures. To be honest with you, mate, just do it on your phone for this this coming yeah. one. I'm sure that will be absolutely fine because that, that that camera is about two hundred pounds. Um, so it's um, they get a bit they get a bit get a bit pricey. So you, you don't necessarily want to be spending that at the moment. I'm only doing it because I'm using it for for the channel and for miniature ops channel as well as out of the frying pan um and for and for work so i need to speak to clients and things sometimes anyway so it was a a work purchase and if i'm speaking to a client in the states and i want to show them what i've been working on um and if i uh, do the odd bit of tuition sometimes been able to, to do it through that it's easier than trying to set up my dslr through a video capture which is all right but it's chunky and like we, when we tried it before it kept going off every half an hour or so as well didn't it so this is just plug and play it's ridiculously easy and the quality's good enough so um yeah anyway that's not very interesting really and not very spg related um, but it will be cool i'm really looking forward to doing that one hen um uh, yes to, it's going to be lots of lots of good fun yeah, um i just need to match up the because i'm gonna i think i'm gonna put the i on hen and my trees and stuff on sort of bases so they're easier for moving around the storage and clumping up and playing across things like that so I need to work out how to match that to my uh, rolling planes, but that shouldn't be too difficult. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think it'd be fine. You, you've got trees and stuff. Are you, you're going to purchase those from the railway shop as well? I'm going to purchase all of those, and I've got. Um, they I've managed will, to. They will be expensive. The railway shop trees are add up a lot, so you may want to think about looking at the. You don't have to get them from China now, but those kind of bulk buy um, ones from China, and then a few of the railway ones to kind of make it look yeah. posh because they'll just it cost you loads if you want a lot and i think you'll need a fair few yeah because um, it is on one then um I by got, the way it's just i got 60 um for uh, they're about oh, i don't know how tall are they probably about three inches tall so not huge i've got 60 in three different colors for 20 pounds um on ebay and you can get them on amazon as well um and yes they do come from china but not directly anymore um, they usually come from a UK warehouse. I don't know how they're managing to, to get around things, but they do it. Um, and I've just mounted them, based them all up on two piece, um, and then just stuck some like basing stuff on the bottom, and uh, away you go. And then I've got some more expensive ones as well. So you just mix them in between them, and they, it looks really good. And you get a like, kind of nice little mix. But just give you a bulk amount of trees, and they sort of try look at wish as well. That's another way. Same stuff, isn't it? whether it's China on Amazon, Wish or eBay, it's all the same stuff. Um, but they're, yeah, they're definitely worth looking at. But you, if you if you go in and you want, you're wanting like 20, 30 trees from a railway shop, the nice ones, you might find that you uh, spend nearly as much as you do on a, on a webcam, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Literally just done a quick Google search. Use my Google Foo while we're recording and I've just found uh, 10 pieces of 12 centimetre trees uh, from China and they're, they're seven pound 38 for 10 you so can't, you can't go wrong changes yeah so you get get a set of those or two sets of those and then go buy yourself you know five or six really nice ones um that are like three or four pounds each but you, can, but you treat yourself to a few nice ones and you just sort of mix them around and disperse them and that you, you get a real nice mix and it does the job um, that's that's definitely my advice unless you want to spend loads and loads and loads of money on railway trees which is cool if you can 
people to spend all that money, but they are really don't. expensive. <laughs> <laughs> or I can get them from the UK for about a quid more. So I might just pay the extra yeah, and I'd, just get them from the UK. You can get them in a reasonable amount of time then. Yeah, so, um, but then I'll just need to match up the, the bases for those because what I might do is do like a little copse of trees per each base. So do something about six inches square with a couple of trees on it. Yeah. yeah so that's, it's just a couple of bits to throw around um, the table. So I'll just have to match them up. Um, yeah, that works quite well. And you want to, you want to, I'd always have a few just on their own to sort of spread them out, especially for like Maritus style players. Doesn't matter. I was putting them on two peas and, uh, um, and I think my, my wife was like, you're sticking them on two P's. I was like, yeah, well, they're weighted. It makes nice bases. She said, but it's like wasting money. It's not wasting money. How much do you think a base will cost? And she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> if I told you that I bought bases and they're all two P each, would you tell me that they were a bargain? Yeah. Well, there we are then. Um, Even Matt's just... very, very, very keenly priced bases are <laughs> not that cheap. So, yeah. yeah. Although um, that's another bit of news. He's been working very hard on uh, expanding his gloomy uh, forest base range. So uh, my plans for my uh, Merkwood Ranger force are getting a little bit closer. Maybe that's going to be my Painter 600 points good army for next year's bingo. That's man, that would be lovely to see that. Yes, I what was I thinking of before that I might have needed those bases for? Might have been about a year ago. I, I was thinking I needed woodland bases because he didn't have the the full range. It was again another excuse for not purchasing from him. Um, but they, yeah, they will be awesome. Um, and they're the kind of thing that are take a lot more time to make yourself if you really want that oh. kind of en- entwined kind of wooden look. That's they never quite look right. Whereas you know, for like rolling plane style stuff, you can you know feasibly do that yourself with the old rock and the things like that they're normally as beautiful as his but things like the the woodland ones they will sell so well um, yeah i mean for the basis for the trees i'm thinking i might just get some of those um plaster molds you can get rock face plaster molds yeah yeah, yeah. just use those and smash them up and add them to the bases and i've got a load of the um i was i think they're basically they're a little old so they're actually luke's aps ones but they're basically geek gaming scenics modeling compound stuff yeah i've yeah. got about three pots of that i've managed to inherit so that'll that'll sort me for pretty much everything i need yeah that's good stuff um, that's really good stuff but then i can do loads of that kind of stuff i can rattle can a lot of that and then just finish stuff off with airbrushes and oils and then it's just powders and just buy some artists and flock the living daylights out of it buy some artist plus for paris as well it's really cheap um and i used to and i still use i've got an old baking tray and I'll just mix it up, pour it on there, see, and it's kind of it's about three quarters of an inch thick one end, and I let it put it slight, uh, slightly an angle on it, so it's thinner at the other end by about five mil, um, and then just smash it up, um, and it's brilliant. And you can carve it, you can break it up to different sizes, and it just just makes really good kind of rocks essentially to go on bases. It's not so good for larger and larger sizes. You want to do like you said the rock molds then. They um if you want to a bit of terrain. But if you want bits to break up and put on bases, because it's so easy just to break with your fingers as well. You can just you know that's a bit too big for what I need. Just gonna just perfect stuff. Really, really good. Use it all the time. Sounds good. And sounds good. So tell us what you've been doing, Stu, because I've been successfully managing to bore people left for probably the last half an hour. So let's talk about what you've been up to. <laughs> Apart from buying cameras or equipment for um, future battle reports, um, which well, God knows when it'll happen, but uh, may not just be for this. That might just not be for uh, Middle Earth stuff. But um, I've been just working on Smaug more, really. And it's, um, it continues with the boring updates of not being able to list a lot of stuff like you. Um, but um, I've, I completely 
completely finished the base and and uh, Bilbo now. So that's I haven't put any pictures up yet, but um, I think you've seen them, haven't you? Um, I'll um, I have. I'll post that up in the social media in a, in a day or two after I've edited and put the show up, so it makes sense. But uh, um, yeah, it's, it's done. I wanted to get that bit out of the way and done, um, and a bit of a break from doing him. He's not hard to paint, but he's really hard to hold in a comfortable way. We're not worried about breaking off the spines and things. Um, so I'm not. There's nothing about painting him at all that concerns me in terms of oh, no, what I'm going to do for the technique and I'm working on the colours and I'm building up with the airbrush but it's just hard to get to what I'm finding is I want a massive turntable and a big area to kind of spin him around but and, you know you know I've got a large workspace but even then it's quite hard to do it and you just want to handle him as least as, least as possible so it's just his pose it's kind of it's, it's awesome but it's also really hard to do and I've left the wings off so far. They'll be going on soon. I've got to the stage where I'm going to have to put them on. And then I've got to touch up the paint around where I put them on and fill the gaps in as well. So that's good. I've left it kind of for now, but it's I have to go back in with the airbrush for priming those areas and then re-blend in those areas as well. So I'm trying to not do too much, but I'm trying to do as much as I can that, to make it, you know, God knows how you paint it with the wings on. It's just so hard to hold and do. So that's the biggest problem is, is how to hold it and, uh, and get paint on it. But it was nice to get the base done. Nice to get um, Bilbo done. And uh, that's given me a box. I'm, I'm, I'm claiming it. I know he's on a base, but I've still painted another version of a model I've already got. So I'm, I'm, I'm claiming the uh, the square, the bingo square for Bilbo. Um I won't be tenuous and, and claim the base as a as a display board, even though it feels felt like it. Uh, <laughs> I, I know I'm doing that with the ends anyway. I'm really I'm just getting really excited about doing the ends. So which is which is a weird position to be in. Um, and I'm stopping myself from rushing. Smile, kind of putting him down and going working on something. If I'm tired or something, I've been putting him down and working on something else. I'm not always middle earth related, but just because I don't I want him done because I want to start the ends. I'm really excited about doing the ends, but I also don't want to rush a model of that cost um so when i feel like i'm oh i'll just do it up just do a bit more i'm just taking my time with it because i hopefully end up with a better job then but uh i don't i've given up trying to say when it's going to be done um <laughs> but um, i'm enjoying doing it that's the main thing but that's it that's it apart from um let's say um planning i suppose it's been chasing up with people we announced last time about flotsam and jetsam so i think only one person has has returned the ticket um i think another person um is unsure whether they're able to make or so but most people either haven't replied at all or have said they're coming um but there's, there's probably more people that just haven't replied at all which is interesting um uh, maybe people just forgotten that they bought tickets all that time ago um so there's another call out if you are if you do have tickets or you know someone that does um just uh Please, if you could uh, let me know whether you intend to take up the offer of the the transfer of of ticket funds to the new of uh, the new two of two day event next year. But uh, let, let's know how it goes. But other than that, no, I've not been doing anything else. Well, you, you've been busy enough doing other things. You've certainly doing an awful lot of stuff for work, haven't you? So you posted a bit oh, yes. of that uh, this yeah. evening, actually, uh, this afternoon, this evening. Yes, I've been painting some boats for. Um, yeah, I've been doing lots of stuff. It's just. Um, not all Middle Earth related, and I'm because I'm doing some stuff for, for the My Miniature Realms channel at the moment as well. I'm not always just painting Middle Earth stuff, and the Middle Earth stuff I am painting is one big project, so to speak. So I'm not. It's not as easy just to say, hey, "Well, here's the model I completed." Or so if I was doing, uh, if I was doing an army with loads of 
25 mil bases, then yeah, the, the, the equivalent of, of the amount of time I've put in would be more. But um, we, it'll be easier as soon as we, I'll put up some. When I start working on the ends, I'll make sure I do more work in, in progress picks. I don't normally do work in progress, but I'll, I'll stick them up on the out of the frying pan stuff um, a bit more when I start doing those. So I'm, it's not just you posting stuff. It used to be the other way around. It used to be just me posting stuff, and then uh, and then we had a big switcheroo. But I'm 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 happy. I'm enjoying I'm enjoying smile, but it just I don't have a full list of of, of things to say. Um, but anyway, shall we shall we take a break um, and come back and talk all about um, preparing for battle? So um, army list composition and how we go about assembling a new army ready for an event. The hour grows late, and bland of grey plastic comes seeking my counsel. You are sure of this bland elf? Yes, the event is fully painted. It was in the event pack, under my nose the whole time. Yet you did not have the wit to see it. Your love for the Facebook group has slowed your mind. We must join him, bland elf. The commission painter, we must be fully painted. When did Surly Man the White give in to madness? But I am now Surly Man of many colours. Miniature Realm Studio is a commission painting service. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter or contact us directly at miniaturerealmstudio at gmail.com You have elected the way of paint! And we're back and we're ready for the Council of Elrond as we prepare for battle. So Dan, let's uh, you, you, it was your idea for a uh, segment, so rather than me rabbiting on, why don't you tell everyone what we're going to be talking about? Well, as uh, the world is waking up a bit more and uh, we've now seeing uh, events running and things are starting to come into plans for sort of the end of the year and uh, the early next year, we're looking at uh, what we would do from uh, an initial idea of an army or from seeing an event advertised that you might fancy going to and working out how you would go about sort of putting an army together for events um, right up to the point where you're looking at how you're going to to travel to the event with them um, and uh, transporting them down on the day and transporting them around the gaming hall. So basically it's from conception, almost cradle to grave, if you will, for getting ready for an event you want to uh, attend, whether it's a, a tournament or a narrative event or even just um, arranging to go and play your mate who lives, you know, 200 miles away. <laughs> basically how we would look at doing that for ourselves and then uh, maybe a couple of ideas perhaps for other people if they're looking to... Uh, engage in the, the sort of their first games since getting involved in the hobby during uh, the period of lockdown i like the cradle to grave bit you're uh, planning on doing well at the events is uh... <laughs> 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 oh dear so um so i suppose the first heading we've got there is um sort of army list and composition so do you want to kick us off then so what what do you what sort of where do you start with when you're deciding an event i suppose it depends on the event doesn't it, or the meet the meet up? What the the rules are around what you can take? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I mean, obviously, factored into this would be our plans for doing um, some games together, like uh, potentially to put onto our channel or just for fun for us. You know, our uh, ill-fated Helm's Deep gaming, or <laughs> you know, um, yes, you'd have um, meetups of Homeworld, like the Battle Streams Middle Earth community are going to have, or. Um, you know, and a tournament you've arranged to go to, for instance, you know, Throne of Skulls or Warhammer World or um, heading up to Scotland to attend one of Chris Murphy's events. You know, all of them have got different um, requirements. 
so generally you'd have the initial conversation i suppose where um the, the event comes to your attention so you either been invited for a game or there's a facebook post put out or the group makes a decision over a random thursday evening to decide to you know have a have a meet up at warhammer world and thrash out some dice and give each other grief about not wanting to be hugged <laughs> for those in the bowstring uh, chat will understand that one um so yeah a lot of it well, at least when you're, uh, you know, using a business plan, it'll be establishing the need. It'll be looking at what you're going for and then looking at what you've got and then working out all the differences. So let's say you needed uh, 600 points worth of um, uh, good and evil for Middle-earth uh, going for match play gaming at uh, Warhammer World with a group of uh, like-minded individuals. What would you choose? What, 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 what would you do? Would you look at the armies you've got? Would you buy a new army? So th- those are the decisions that I'll be making to begin with. And uh, as it happened, the Battle Streams uh, group has decided to do just that. So I don't think we've quite agreed how many points yet, but people are all looking at which armies they'd like to take. Yeah. So I know you can't make this one, Stu, so I don't want to make this one uh, you know, too painful. But if you were going, and let's say it was 600 points, what would be your thoughts? Would you look at your shelves or would you think about potentially painting something new? If, I, if we pretend I was going to that, I'd be looking at my shelves. Um, because it doesn't sort of fit into other projects to start something else at the moment. So I think I suppose that's an, another important thing when when you look at an event or your your even if it's just a game with, with someone in the at uh, you know you got coming up with a club or a, a, like a lazy day or we were meeting up in a couple of months to play. I suppose you look at what what you've got around you, but also how much time you've got as well and what other projects you got going. So if we had six months to prepare, I'd probably go, right, well, I'm, I've got nothing else on. I'm going to maybe look at doing something new for it. But because I've got an army list that I'm just about to start building, which is uh, probably wouldn't want to play at 600 points. So the ends, you, know, you don't get many of them anyway, so I probably wouldn't want to play them at 600. So I imagine I'd be looking to my, my shelves and um, cracking out something I've not used before um or or you know returning to something that i've um used many times before so i i don't know I, I haven't played a match play game for ages as we mentioned in the last show so I'd, I'd potentially go back to dwarves because they're fairly simple in the way they they play i have used them before so that would be probably where i'd go to there would be a little temptation to look at my azog stuff knowing that i could paint a relatively small amount of models together up to a 600 point list it's nearly there anyway i just don't think it's legal um but again it'll be a, a time-based thing but yeah for, for something like if we're using your, that event as an example i would definitely go to my shelves um if it was like something for throne of skulls um then i'd be going to the, the list i'd already had planned it'd become a bigger project so to speak what about you well yeah i mean uh I've been doing an iron over this one, and I think, to be honest, I'm going to be taking at least my Mordor for my evil. And I've not 100% decided on my good. It might be Erebor reclaimed, but uh, New Dane and Thorin uh, style, or potentially paint something in time for it, because it's not till October. But uh, that depends where the mood takes me on that. I've got too much Isengard to be doing at the moment. <laughs> um, the main thing for me with that would be um, how much time I've got and... Uh, whether painting something new would give me a different gaming experience to what I've got. Yeah. Because uh, I've got more than enough armies I've painted that I've not used yet. Well, there's Plenty. a thing there, isn't there? For you, you've not had chance. It's always excited to paint something new. And when you've... That's you know, primarily I, why I used to paint models for events. Yeah, but you also... It's nice to have a new thing for a new event, but because you haven't got to use them, 
they're still new, but they're also old. So there's there's something different about the the unused armies for you. Um, I mean, I've built stuff that I've not used. Some stuff I've built because I'm never planning to use it in a in a kind of an event type thing. They are built for home armies to do scenarios and things like. I really can't imagine I'd want to take the Goblin Town along and play those. I, I wouldn't want to take the Moria along and play those. They were very much for scenarios and one was a speed paint thing. And then the Dwarves and then the, the Lake Town. Well, I've used them both at events, but then I've not been to multiple events. Was I think I took the Dwarves to two and I took Lake Town to a couple. So I've not I've not I, I overplayed them, so to speak. They've still got loads and loads of mileage in. There's still loads of builds I've not done. So they've definitely... There's lots of lots of gaming left in them but because it's been so long since I did them. Um, then they also don't feel new as well. So it's just depends on what, what mood takes you at the time, doesn't it? But yeah, I think that's half the problem. I've got half the stuff I painted. It's been sat there that long, it no longer feels new, but I've never used it. <laughs> yeah. I think that I mean you think in terms of a, a, a planning thing anyway, it really depends on whatever the contract is, whether that's a small a localized social contract with a friend that you're meeting at the club or whether it's uh a big event that you know you've got six months or more to plan for you um what you what you tend to do for your army list composition will vary drastically depending on what it is um and so that, that kind of that whole side of it will will change oh yeah definitely um i mean more than anything else i mean it also depends what your impetus is as a gamer for instance if even if i was going to a match play event i'm not too fussed about winning um, it doesn't particularly bother me. I'd rather take an army I like on the table and take the models I like. Yes. So that would obviously affect me, whereas other people would be going for the, you know, to, to test their metal against uh, their peers. So planning a more competitive um, army that's more conducive to winning a tournament, to put yep. it that way, would be higher on the list of priorities than just taking all the shinies, which is far more my list of priorities. <laughs> Yeah, so I, it's... I, I'm I'm the same mostly. I'd say I I think it would be. I mean, the first time I used events was the the survivors of Lake Town. I think they are a theme in themselves. I don't think you can. Um, I wasn't allying anything in, so everything I took was from the the pure list. They are, as I said, they are a theme in themselves for that one part of the Battle of Five Armies. Essentially, if you have Gandalf in there, or if you don't, you could say they were from you know maybe from a part you don't see in the film or something like that but essentially that is a theme um but um the dwarves that i took to throne of skulls was um was, was iron hills and erebor and it was a theme for anazul anazul oh, can't speak today um the battle of day or the first one <laughs> <laughs> yes oh dear, i'm not even drinking i've always struggled with that word some days i just nail it other days can't say it as a null bazaar there we go so um yeah then that was a proper theme um based around it being a mix between the film and the book and that was deliberate as well um that's because i wanted dane there um and but i didn't want to take um i wanted to have uh you know thorin um, as a young version and, and 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 just sort of make them match the the, the film scenes that are in the prequel when they talk about that that battle but then also bring in the book stuff as i said with dane there rather than um but rather than the other older dwarves so so then it was theme based and i think i always think with theme in a certain amount of theme um i will often miss out what i believe is the obvious competitive choice because i feel that I don't. I always feel guilty for taking something that's really powerful, even though I'm not 
the, you know, even with a powerful army, and it's not an excuse, even with a powerful army, I'm likely to lose anyway. So I'm not doing anyone that much of a favour. But I quite often think, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll take the, the mid tier approach to something, even if I maybe go two weeks sometimes. I, I don't think, I think I far, not for all wargaming, I'm far more likely to end up going accidentally too soft. Um, well, try not to take something that's that's nasty that accidentally takes something a bit too powerful, if that makes sense. Um, I don't think I've ever had any complaints from people saying oh, they, well, I've taken something that's too powerful. I, I tend to err on the side of caution. And that's the way I plan things. I mean, the, the next, the, if we pretend that Throne of Skulls may happen in, in December, um, the whole point of what I'm taking is, is pure fluff and fl- theme. If I wanted to do well, I wouldn't be taking an Ent army. Um it's yeah, I might have a scenario or two that that help me out, but there's so many scenarios in that um, group of match play scenarios that they're really going to struggle in. So so many they're really going to struggle in. So uh, oh, I'm taking it because I've had an idea of a display board. So that, yeah, and that is a really cool display board as well. <laughs> and, that, and that's but that's the thing. And so so it's incredibly thematic. In fact, if I go to my notes on my phone. Um, where I kind of store my ideas and lists. The list took about five seconds to write because he, there's only so many ways you can make a thousand points for Throne of Skulls. And it's Treebeard with Merry and Pippin, which is 200 points. Quick Beam, 140. Beachbone, 130. And then there's four normal Ents, 120. And it's 980 points. You can't really do anything else with it. Um, no. <laughs> you, you, you can't because you, you take out one of the non-named ones and uh, you, you end up with even more points left over. Um, so this, yeah, it kind of writes itself. Um, yeah, but it was that's how long it took to write the list. And underneath it, all I've got is loads and loads of photos. Um, and I suppose it's come on to display balls later, so I'll hold some of that back. But it, it comes into the composition a little bit as well. Is that I've got loads and loads of photos from the film of the scene that I wanted to build a display board about. So it's like a kind of a collage of ideas. I want my own mini pin in Pinterest. Um, but anyway, I'll uh, we'll say that for later in the chat though. But what about what about what's the next part of the, the conversation? What do what do we think about after the uh, composition? Well, it'd be basically if uh, we've got to start a new army, it'd be working out how on earth we're going to uh, begin assembling said horde. <laughs> so uh, whether we'd be looking at um, buying all your miniatures in bulk or buying them, uh, you know, dribs and drabs. I mean, obviously, some of that is going to be determined by your financial circumstances, I suppose. Um, I These days, I do tend to buy armies in bulk. I tend to buy a lot of stuff in large chunks, or if I can, I'll buy all of it in one go. Yeah. Understandably, I didn't do Iron Hills that way. But then again, I was being a bit more tentative joining the game. I think if I'd have bought a thousand points of Iron Hills, painted up really quickly and didn't quite enjoy it, I'd have been pretty annoyed. Yeah. So um, some of it was trial and error with that, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, I think I always buy it all. It might not be one purchase, but it will be in a very short period, period of time. It might just be because... Um, something not available or I'm getting something from somewhere else or something like that. So I generally come up with a list on paper or an idea and buy a big chunk of it. Even though some of the projects that I've now kind of, um, they've gone into future projects like the my future Gondor project, which is not even built. I did do a couple of lists initially um, and now they've grown into something that could be more by me buying the old extra model here and there. Um, but with the Ents, I, um, I bought them as quick as I could do really. I think I, I, I searched around for some eBay bargains, um, and I've picked up uh, 
I did have a metal tree bed. Well, now we obviously bought the new plastic one, so I didn't buy that one in one go because I already had the other bits. So I was already planning this before he was around. Um, and I've bought since bought a resin a version, old version of tree bed as well, which I'm planning to use in a conversion. Um, and the metal one I'll probably save now and just paint him as a classic model at some point and just have him on the shelf. But uh, so. But I tend to buy them all in one go, and I did that with the bulk of the, the plastic ones. A couple on eBay, a couple of brand new ones, and uh, and away you go, really. And I think I did that with all my previous armies. It's pretty much the whole thing in one go. So Lake Town was all one big order. Um, the dwarves were pretty much one big order. I think Iron Hills might have been separate because originally I wasn't planning on them. They were a separate army rather than an allied contingent, but an uh, um, army of thrall, shall we say. That was all built. That was all one order. Um, I tend to do it like that for all my, all my gaming projects. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, starting to. I, I definitely do that with other gaming systems. I'm starting to move towards that way with Middle Earth because it does work. I mean, it does mean I end up like at the moment I've got 24 uh, or scouts out there uh, to be done. But um, yeah, it does seem to. It, it works quite well for consistency. So I think for me, it's definitely that way. And obviously, a lot of the models that we're dealing with for Middle Earth as well don't really lend themselves to subassembly or indeed no, they're generally one piece models anyway. Not, it's, it's not really an option most of the time. And um, the newer GW plastics, it's not an option because of the way they go together. Um, the benefit is that is that you have little to no mold lines, and, and where you do have one, they're, they're often quite often hidden. The amount of times I've cleaned one off they, these days and then go to assemble it and realize it would have been hidden in the first place anyway. Um, so that's that's good and i think that's good for general gamers for painters sometimes it's a bit of a pain but um you know i, I think i'd rather have it than not um i suppose the only other thing i'd say about the kind of the way you purchase it and um assemble it is that I, sometimes i'll purchase a new faction and i'll do a list but i'll often be planning to expand on it later so that initial list will be a, a one big purchase based on, and i write a list often even if i'm not playing on an event if i decide i want to do a faction i'll often look at a 600 point list or something like that as a well what's the minimum i want to start with so i can play it and i'll maybe plan something like that so i'll plan an army list and buy it and buy all i need and then i'll uh in the future so you play a game or two and someone said well try this hero we'll try this build and then you add the odd bit here or there but i do like to get the bulk down i like to get the bulk of the, the warriors done in, yes. the, in the initial paint because they're the most painful part so it's um i try to get as much and also i'll often paint more than i think i need so when i did the lake town um you know i built how many did i do i did like 40 odd all in one go um oh god because i knew i'd want them to have but i also knew they've only painted 24 or something like that that I painted everything else that I really, really, really want to go back and repaint it. So I did the more bulk, got them out of the way, knowing that that's it then. So it's by, I think I started with um, Bard and with Gandalf and, and loads of them. And then it was kind of adding little bits afterwards. So adding your Hilda and Percy and then adding uh, Alfred. Um, and, and that's the way I tend to work it. So I'll have an initial list idea as either part of a collection or it's uh, for an event. But it gives me the, the core of, of that army or that faction. And also that's different for different armies. If it's something like Gondor, they've got so many different builds um, that you maybe not do that. It depends on what, what kind of list you're running. 
Um, Whereas you just tackle, you you buy a big box of Warriors and Minas Tirith and tackle that first, wouldn't you? Yes. And then, yeah. then you probably do a box of Rangers. You got and more, then after more that, you different kinds of Warriors, I suppose, especially compared to some of the Hobbit factions where you've got your one warrior type, really, haven't you? Especially things like your Erebor Dwarves and things. Um, I suppose you've got your... Sometimes there's two, but with things like Gondor, you've got your mounted Minas Tirith Knights, haven't you? And then you've got your... Found court and all the other different options, um, your, your, your elite options as, as well. So sometimes they, they, you might not go out and buy a bit of everything, but there are some factions out there when they've really got one or two core troop types. So, and that you will use them in most armies. Whereas with things like Gondor, you can see very different kinds of builds, can't you? Um, but yeah. Um, and what do we do after that then? So after you've you've decided how you're going to go about assembly and, and start working on it. We'll be attacking uh, how we'd paint them, really. Um, obviously, there's multiple different ways of painting everything these days. Uh, the event of contrast has, has really changed things. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, uh, yeah, obviously, you've got the traditional methods of painting, which is, you know, you rattle cannon and then attack it with your paintbrushes. You've got hairbrushes. You've got, uh, I mean, even deciding whether you're going to paint them on the bases or not. For mm-hmm. instance, I don't. Yeah. So uh, anyone who's looked at my social media might see rank upon rank of models on uh, paper clips stuck into a giant foam mat <laughs> until it's time to do racing in one go. But, uh, you yeah, know, some people, I, do I mean, I know you take paint on the base. And we'll... I do. I, I went for a stage, actually, of, of, of doing what you do, um, especially when I first started painting heresy stuff. It just seemed to be the way everyone was doing it. Um, and it really depends on the base a scheme and what I'm going to do with the base. Um, because I find holding the base or putting the base on a, on a on a handle works quite well to getting to most points. So unless the miniature, unless I'm going to have struggled to get to a certain point on the miniature, um, or it, the basing really benefits. So if it's a really nice resin base like you use, the basing really benefits to be painting separately. Then I will um, do it doing it. You know, I'll do them separately. But if if not, then I'll go on the bases um, because it. Because it helps. In fact, this isn't something that's um, a, mid- a Middle Earth example, but I did a painting tutorial for my channel to do with a bolt action model, and I deliberately put them on the bases because it's a, a desert, it's desert uniform and a desert uh, theme on the base, and all the overspray from the airbrush basically gives you a, a really nice base tone for your for your base as well. So then you add a wash after that and some weathering powders and your base is done. So actually the painting process actually helps um, the basing. So I will often look at I need to think about what I want it to look like in the in the end. So I'll get a, a an image in my mind's eye of what kind of scheme I want. Do I want it to look like the film? Do I want it to look slightly different? How gritty? How cartoonish? So I'll get an idea. That usually comes naturally quite quickly. Um, and I'll think about the kind of basing, and then I'll make a decision from there. And if it makes sense to have them on the base, I'll, I'll leave them on there. Yeah, I mean, it definitely worked in respect for that uh, tutorial which i definitely recommend people <laughs> no, look i at didn't say it because i wanted, wanted to yeah, people to go and watch it but yeah it's um it's just an example that came to mind at the moment i've probably done it with um with middle earth things as well but uh if, if unless it really hampers me to paint them off their off their base then i'll uh, i'll paint them on there just because it's you know, just it's easy most of the time but for, yeah, for, I mean, anyone who wanted to do an Easterling or uh, Arad or Far Harad or Serpent Horde Army would do well to look at the, that basing scheme because even just adding a few more um, sort of embellishments, sort of in terms of, um, you know, more le- less arid climb on, yeah. you know, in terms of some of the rocks, but using the general principles with um, the powders and stuff would definitely be really good. Yeah, absolutely. It, my basing simple, but 
quite effective and I use the same kind of thing on all of them where it's uh, it's very much um, I don't I haven't dry brushed anything in years on a base so I tend to use basing texture stuff um, and look at Vallejo um, earth texture not the GW stuff because GW stuff's great but you get so little in a pot um, for, for the money you can spend 12 quid on a big pot of the uh, Vallejo stuff and it is a big pot it's 200 mils it lasts you for ages so I tend to use that stuff um, I've got past the need to make the bases look really thick you don't need to do much especially if you pre-colour it beforehand so I tend to paint the base sort of a grey-brown. I use petroleum grey from Scale 75 quite a lot. I may have already glued on a few rocks and things out of Plaster of Paris, paint those the same colour, Then I'll just dab on some of the texture paint. Um, and then I go in with, I use pigments a lot, and then tufts a lot. And before you know it, it's done, and it's really quick, but it just doesn't look like a your standard kind of war game base that you see, which is sort of glue, sand, base colour, dry brush, which is nothing wrong with that, but I've just... Of kind of letting the effect basically using modeling military modeling effects stuff on bases rather than working hard at painting the bases if that makes sense turn them into dioramas rather than actually painting them um it's, I, I just find it easier but anyway but yeah in terms of the the process though it's the reason that worked for the deserts because i was using those colors on a model if i was doing um harad and i was airbrushing with red or something like that then i'd still have to go back in you know repaint the base of the the base of the base so to speak anyway i think we're dwelling far too long on painting bases because this is not really a painting conversation but um what about well, still it's, it's obviously is an area which there is uh some discussion to be had because <laughs> people obviously people not have got many different format. options maybe i'll do and, it. And actually your video i do disagree on uh pigment fixers the uh the one i've got uh i forget which one it is it is really 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 good and it does genuinely work does it does it change the color and the tone though i may remove it that? knocks it back by i'd say about 10 percent. i mean yeah, it's yeah. on the, it's on thrandall's base that's been fixed oh cool cool yeah I, it's, um it's the secret weapon one that's the one i use i don't think i've tried that one i think I can't um, I've got. I if don't you drop it on much. a mat it genuinely goes like tar uh-huh. it's really good it turns into a really sticky so it genuinely does fix it down ah uh, cool Cool, I might give it's it really, a go. really, really clever. Because the way I do but, bases, um, it generally doesn't doesn't matter anyway, because I'm using them as um, as texture. But I might do a little, um, do a really quick base tutorial when I maybe do a mud base and maybe do a, a, a dry arid, arid base and just show how you can simply do it. Just paint the bases um, and stick it up on the on the channel. Might be a good thing to do. I, really I kind of wish I'd have done that with Thranduil's base now, his scenic base, because I'd have used a lot of different techniques on that and it would have probably been quite good to load on there, but <laughs> we digress. So let's assume that uh, we've picked our paint schemes and we've begun painting, we've picked our basing schemes and done basing and we're reaching the end of that. How are we going to prep them for transport? So we need to make a decision. What kind of case are we going to use? What kind of case do we have? So for, for yourself, Stu, what do you uh, use to transport your models? So for since I've been playing Middle Earth, it's been really useful boxes with uh, magnetic sticky back stuff inside and then magnets in the rare earth magnets stuck in the bottoms of the bases and that helps, I mean, you drill out your um, resin bases. So the fact I've not used resin bases yet has helped me a little bit because it's a little bit quicker just to glue them in the bottom. Um, And that's pretty good, to be honest with you. Um, The only time I find it can be an issue is with your resin stuff. And when I mean resin, I mean your citadel resin because they're very very brittle so a couple of things that can happen when you go in to grab a model if you touch the sword because the model's so quite quite firm into the bottom of the the tray i've pinged a couple of models um swords off or spears off by doing that but that that can happen when it catches on foam as well um but overall if you're going in a car 
somewhere and you can just leave it in the boot or it's on your lap somewhere, that's pretty good. I wouldn't do that if I was going to store them on their side or something like that or on maybe in a backpack on a on a train or something like that. I might look for foam in that sort of instance. But yeah, really useful boxes. They stack really well as well. I think I've got different size ones, a couple of different layers. I even have a thinner one that goes on the top, which I have I put my books in normally and then a tray with it's divided up. I'll have my dice and my counters and stuff in. Um, they work out quite well. What about yeah, you? I mean, well, you've got a new case now, haven't you? So uh, this section well, should be it. called How Can Dan Talk About His New Case Again section. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I've, um, the majority of what I use, I mean, I've got a bit of everything, really. I've got, um, obviously, you've seen my massive, great big uh, KR aluminium case I've got, yep. which is great. Um, I, I use that to bring models to Cheltenham in the past. Um, that's foam. That is really good. It, possibly not quite as good for some of the Middle Earth stuff because... It's been known to break a few more delicate bits on some of the heresy models, and they tend to be a little bit more robust yes. because they're big, hecking great space marines, and you know they're walking tanks. They're not quite elves, are they? So um, I would be a little bit worried about putting them in a foam case, if I'm honest. I mean, there's probably people going, "No, it's fine." And obviously, when all of this started, the old GW was it 108 models you can get in three shelf or three. Yeah. Yeah, tiles in the case, the old um, black Games Workshop ones, or I'm you know, not, the, I'm not some super people. confident with those. I, I've had the old client, and um, one of them I know listens, so I'm not having to go. In, but I've had the old client that will send their miniatures in a case, and then that's I need to send the case back, so I'm sending them back in the case as well. Once painted, and I always add extra protection, so I'll pre-wrap them in bubble wrap before they go in the case because it's. They break sometimes just when you're carrying them yourself. If you're putting them in a box and then you're allowing couriers or postage people to throw them, boot them, then they're going on planes sometimes as well. They're just scary prospects, especially if some of them are metal. But um, um, yeah, foam, I, I use foam for years. I use KR cases. I use battle foam. They're really good. Um, nothing wrong with them at all. Things no, I didn't like is no. the amount of time it takes to get out of the foam to then put on a tray or something. So I found that by using the really useful boxes, and I'm sure you'll be the same with your 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 magnetic trays on your case now, is that they're, they're kind of there on the tray, so you can take them straight off that. You can almost use that as your tray to carry around at the event, unless you're using a display board. But if you're not, it's in a normal event that you're not using a display board, then you can, yeah, just that that yeah. small kind of nine litre really useful box, if you haven't got too many mounting models, is perfect, because that just becomes your tray at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got some very uh, really useful boxes. I've got um, loads of those. Um, some of them have got the, that uh, adhesive magnetic uh, sort of sheets in. Some of it have actually got steel. Yeah. Um, sort of 0.5 mil steel um, or one mil steel. I can't remember what it is. It's a thin one. Um, the, th- the thinnest one I could get lay my hands on. And um, that's actually Velcroed in because the first time I tried no more nail nailsing uh, metal into the bottom of the box and it didn't go down very well. Did it crack off and... It did. Plastic, yeah, I thought that might happen. It's, it's um, too shiny, it, isn't it? Yeah, it reacted with the metal as well a bit, and it wept and stuff. It was rather oh. an unpleasant thing all round, so I just <laughs> stripped it all back off. And then I used the um, the black Velcro, the height there, but they, well, they considered the heavy-duty one. Yeah, that's a good idea. And that's not going anywhere. No, that's a good point, actually. I always think about your glue, so Velcro's good, and you can get those really strong double-sided um tape can't you like the picture mount tape and stuff that that's probably do a, another way of sticking some metal in the bottom if you wanted to the, 
benefit I've got is the obviously steel is a pain in the bum to cut and it's not always the cheapest thing in the world it's velcroed and then I can if the boxes are roughly the same size in terms of length and width yeah if I need a taller box that's uh, a, a sort of a higher I can just move the metal sheet into that box yeah that's good and I suppose you could pull the whole sheet out as well at the event yes. and then just use that as your tray or pop that on a on a on a tray if you have one uh, might have come to mind yes <laughs> there is the possibility of being able to do it um literally making the display board on a sheet of steel which then, would velcro into the case it comes in which is something i've been thinking really, about really really annoys you you can you can feel them with the, with the massive well, sheet of uh, steel that you've got in your hand oh <laughs> uh, well but the, i don't think you get points for that <laughs> I, th- I, think, but, uh, I think you get points i think they call them years not points. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's an intimidation score <laughs> through the skulls. So, uh, yes, but there's, um, I've got uh, numerous things, and obviously I bought this A case, which I'm really excited to try out. I've not used it. I've not even taken it anywhere for a game yet, um, but I am actually at Warhammer World uh, this Saturday playing uh, my first game of Middle-earth in goodness knows how long with my Mordor, my first Mordor game um, against Sophie. So I'm quite excited to take it along for that, see how well it does. It's got a big old pouch on the front, which I've been able to fit all my books in, which has been really good. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I say all my books. I've only got to take uh, Armies of Lord of the Rings and the rule book and the match play guide with me, so it's not too bad. Yeah, I do uh, do do digital and stuff like that for that. But we've got a section for that coming up, I suppose. It might be covered at the end. We do. So, yeah, um, generally there are multiple options for prepping for transport. Um I mean, obviously, the very useful boxes and stuff, and then magnetizing is great. Obviously, with magnetizing, you do have to allow for the fact you've got to buy magnets and then uh, apply them to the base of your models. I have all of mine stuff was resin, so I countersink all my, so I have to drill out all my bases and then uh, add magnets to them. But I generally found that when I've been sticking magnets to plastic bases, they do come off from time to time. Yeah. I've never had that with a resin base that I've had to countersink and glue in because it forms such a good bond. Yeah, I've um, I don't. It hasn't happened very often. I might be as your your super glue gets a bit older. I, I, sometimes I'll use a green stuff and glue that, and then glue it super glue it into the green stuff while it's still wet. But a lot of the time, it's been glued on the bottom of the bases, and they've been fine so far. But yeah, yeah, it might well be over time. I might need to replace the old one, but generally take a pot of pot of super glue with me anyway. Yeah, I've, I've been finding that with my Necromunda models because they use those plastic Necromunda bases. You glue the magnet into the bottom of that and it will come off. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But uh, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's my fault. Maybe everyone's sitting there going, no, you're an idiot. They might be. They're probably I've, not for that I've reason either. I've, I had it before. Um, I might have been more when I did used to use green stuff balls and then glue them in. I think I tend to pick um, magnets now that are pretty much exactly the right size to fit in a base and then be almost flush with the bottom of the base. So might be my point it is. But I've not had any issues recently. Not not to the point where it's gonna be gonna be a problem if one comes loose during a, a day's gaming over a weekend. I'm not gonna lose any sleep over that. But yeah, if you're drilling them in they're they're gonna be well and truly stuck in there, you're not gonna have any issues. But I'm glad I don't have to do that with all my armies having to do neat drill holes all the time and without going through. That would uh I like to work quickly, but that's a bit of a pain in the bum. Yeah, uh, but it's taken a bit of time to work out not to get any through and throughs. Um, <laughs> I have had a few of those with Unreal Wargaming bases, which cause a, an immense amount of swearing because they're incredibly expensive. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, uh, that's always a problem. So, um, 
Yeah, and then obviously you've touched on the uh, the next topic is whether you're going to take a display board with you. So obviously I've not done any yet, so my uh, I do have some plans for some as time goes by, but uh, you're the man for this one. How do you go about thinking about that and thinking about how you're going to transport? Yeah, I mean, originally I suppose they were doing display boards with something you might just do for larger events. Um, but I ended up making the first display boards I made for, for Middle Earth were actually those small ones that I, I did, and they're on A3. Um, artist board so for, for painting oil paints basically um, you can buy these things that are about I don't know four four mil thick it's like thick card covered in artist kind of um, what's the word like a like the plasticky canvas you can get um, over one side and then the other side it just generally has the brand name or something like that but they're, they they don't tend to warp too much because they're designed to take oil paint um, and they're as I say A3 is quite a nice sort of size so I ended up making um two simple boards and uh, one for the lake town which is sort of broken rocks and bits of ruin and things um, i actually used the, the age of sigmar ruins it's like the ruin town stuff yeah um, i remember when you did that the, actually, sort um... of the flaming sun symbols and all those bits off um and they just look like could be a bit of broken um dale and so i put put those on there and they all squeeze on there lots of rock little bits of like a little pool of water and melted half melted snow and um um yeah well they got me got he got noticed so to speak as an army um got best army at the event it went to the first at two events i took it to so that definitely helps attract the eye if you are interested in winning a painting award or at least sort of placing for painting awards i made another one at the same time in the same theme that i could use for the um army of thrall i would also put the um Adog stuff on. I didn't end up using it when I took. When I, actually, no, I did. I did use it. I used it when I took Army Thrall to Derry's um, one of the Guardians events I went to, and that got best painted there. So they do help those little boards, and then fun little projects. But because they were quite small, um, they were more kind of. I don't know. There are pictures way back. I think on my on my social media, but I might put them up again as a bit of a. This is what we've been talking about type thing. Um, but they work quite well. And then also did a bigger display board for Throne of Skulls. But that's I think Throne of Skulls is if you do an Articon or Throne of Skulls or um, a GT or something like that, you may well spend a bit of time making something a little bit extra special. Might might take some planning, and that's all going to be based around your theme really. Um, and I think that that could be uh, a topic in itself. Um, about how you go around planning it and it's the same with the the army the next army i'm doing with uh the ents i'm planning a board for that and that was planned ages ago i've got a big circular um tray which i'm basing it on just a little bit unusual and uh, my mood board my pictures on my notes um well they're all they're all from a certain scene in the film the flotsam jetsman scene with uh mary and pippin bobbing around so it's but they're basically wet and happy with the way i described the mood board wet and happy so two cheery hobbits up to their um, waist in water but we're drinking smoking and eating lots of stuff so i've got load, all the screenshots i could find from the those that kind of one fairly short scene um um because i'm going to just build some of that and then i've got the insta going as well so i've got an idea it's all in my head at the moment so the next stage will be drawing sketches and planning out on what materials i'm going to use to build it it's pretty much all in my head but to actually do the final planning will mean i have to sit down and make sure i'm not going to make any mistakes but yeah display boards you don't need to do something super super detailed you can do something fairly simple like a flat board which just has you know space to carry just to carry your models around i think one of the ideas with those two little a3 ones i did was that i won't need to take a tray as well so 
I've, I can use that small display board as my tray so you can carry it around to the next table which means you can put your other stuff out of the way so that, that they have their benefits then the other side of that the massive one for the throne of skulls was a pain in the butt to use as a tray but i still did it each time <laughs> but uh, um what are your are you, are you 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 want to share any of your future ideas for yours or are they all you're keeping them well i still got the dog or do on the back burner um but the problem is I don't know whether they're going to be the army I'll take to Throne of Skulls now anyway. That, yeah. That's the biggest problem. So much time has passed since I was originally having a lot of these talks and I've painted so much extra stuff and my my interests have changed here and there as we've gone on. I, I obviously I don't have enough space, let alone time, to do a board for everything. Um, so I'd only really want to be doing one. And then that would be whichever one would be for the army I was taking. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So obviously the the dog order stuff that's still a, a dream. I still love to do that sort of um, kind of make it almost like a smash tower top with um, the, the the ring wraiths arrayed around the necromancer with the, the the keeper of the dungeons in the fashion almost akin to the the movie scene, um, possibly with a. You know, uh, try and get Gandalf and Lady Galadriel cowering in front of them, um, with you know the the, the vanquishers of the necromancer around them. Use them as part of the display board, but obviously the, the actual figure and the showpiece of it's the army itself. That's still on the on the cards at some point, but um, you know, and there is a real temptation uh, to do an, a sort of a display board based around Grond for Mordor. That would be really amazing. Because oh, I do know someone who's pretty good at uh, putting stuff together on a um, 3D printer. Mm. So being able to do things like um, bits for the scaffold for the, the actual thing to go on. And then I think the rest of it would be trying to work out how to sculpt the RAM, which would be basically causing poor Matt a, a, an undue amount of stress with me asking him questions morning, noon, and night. But, it's, you know, maybe add it to the bucket list for the future. <laughs> I think it would be a very cool way of displaying it, though, because you could have the trolls pushing it. I'd have to probably use the troll from the Mordor catapult set. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That would be a really good one, combined with some of the plastic hands from the, um, the Mordor troll set. Yeah. I think that'll be how I'd go along those lines. I think it's doable. Yeah, I definitely think the 3D print options are are good. good, good And obviously buying about 5 million of those blooming great beasts. So I've got the the beasts attached to it at the front, (laughs) (laughs) which is not exactly the cheapest option. I think it would be awesome. I'd love to to see you do that. That would be really cool. Really good idea. I think think I've seen someone built one, haven't they? I don't know if you'd have seen it because it might have been on the uh, the 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 rocks page rather than which I know you're not on rather than the GBHL. But it may have been on both. I'm sure in the last sort of three or four months, someone's been building a grand. Um, I haven't seen it for a while, but it's, I've definitely seen something somewhere on there, somewhere on the internets. Yeah, again, it's uh, that's a sort of obscene amount of work to do, and uh, maybe you know, again, bucket list it. Um, I think I need to set my sights on the slightly more achievable, and I think it also relies on what I'll be taking. I think um, creating sort of something like a, a mustering area outside the walls of Erebor, if I were to do my Erebor reclaimed in the sort of War of the Ring era, might be something sort of sort of a tiered step kind of thing going on. 
Uh, it's obviously taken a bit of a battering over the years and have you know, sort of the characters arrayed and that kind of thing seems a bit more achievable. That's definitely on my list of things to do. And then uh, Azog's Legion will definitely be arrayed across the frozen sort of river before the falls at um, uh, Raven Hill. That will be definitely how my Azog's Legion will go down. Yes, that will look that will look cool. Yes. Oh, I think you've got some nice ideas. Um, I, I love doing display boards and some armies, that the, the idea doesn't... I mean, you can, you can think of something... They'll look nice for for all armies. You just pick their environment, don't you? And that seems to be the go-to yeah. thing. But to have something that really stands out as, as really really different, like like the Grand or something like that, then that's uh, that's, that's there is a certain intimidation factor, I think, unfortunately for yeah for me. Um, that's not an area of um, hobbying I've ever really delved too deeply into. Even generally terrain building, because most of the terrain I've ever owned has been more traditional forty k. You know, you glue it together and you stick it to a base. You could rack a bit of rubble on it, yeah. rattle can it. A lot of the stuff I used to build for the shop when I used to work for them. But three three D printing is is the key there as well. And I don't I don't know where people sit with it um, in terms of if you if you're going to have a best painted competition and you're going to win best painted and your display board is part of that. Um, and where do people think about if you've had something three D printed? Is that because you haven't scratch built it, does it matter? Does it? I don't know. I think it's quite cool. It's just well, a display board. Um, I know there's people out there that have uh, built big display boards using 3D printed stuff. Um, is that any different than people who use it using GW kits? I don't think anyone bats an eyelid there. I don't know. I like the, personally me, and I'm not. I wouldn't vote against someone who's got everything 3D printed. The way I like to build them, I like the challenge of actually trying to scratch build my display board um as much as possible and that's what i'll be trying to do with um for, for the for the uh, flotsman jetson one but um i don't know i think if, when it comes to stuff like grand yeah if you, you want to look look at least you know even if it's not all of it you want to try and get those bits 3d printed so and then it's just the painting side of it and the building the rest of it which are you very very capable of i'm sure you'd nail it whatever you did down you, you just need to approach you know find a way of approaching it and you'll be fine yeah, I mean, the, the other option is um, I do need to do a um, GW kit for my bingo this year. And I quite like the idea of Rohan, doing a Rohan house, but I quite like the idea of doing it like it's been burnt out. Yeah. So the Westfall burnings and stuff like that, I'm kind of thinking more along those lines because the chance of me owning a Rohan army anytime in the next few years is very slim. I'm just not an army I'm too fussed about doing. Some of the models, the characters, beautiful. I'm, I'm totally up for doing them. I'd love to paint Aemer and... Um, theatre and the plastics at some point particularly but i'm not too fussed about painting on them blooming horses so um i do like the idea of having some of the you know the terrain so the idea of doing it like it's been burnt out and actually theme it around my oryx instead yeah it's uh that's kind of on my list so that's also a kind of an option because i think dunland may end up happening at least in a small way alongside my eyes and guard that's because cool. they're too nice not to they are cool models Fortunately, cool. blooming horses <laughs> can't get away from them. But yeah, so d- display boards are definitely something. But I'm not above admitting that I'm, uh, they they are very intimidating for someone who's not done an awful lot of um, scale mil- modeling for terrain. And that's definitely where I sit. I mean, during my formative years of hobby, everything was released in cardboard from GW with those generic uh, plastic bulkheads. You know, the old Imperial Firebase and all that kind of stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, I remember those. Oh, they're like, yeah, you don't want to be minimal assembly required. Don't want to be seeing stuff like that anymore. Um, anyway, well, we've probably done display boards to death, um, and no doubt we talked about that a lot more because we're quite passionate about the kind of painting hobby side of things. But uh, the main thing is to have some fun with them. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think with the way we're approaching this is there. There are an awful lot of people who be going now. I just work out an army, you know. That, that would do well in the tournament and I look at my model collection and then get a few bits painted and I go and I play and that that's cool but we are definitely more uh, we really enjoy this kind of thing I think generally we're more hobbyists we're collectors than before we're anything else so this kind of thing's our, our bread and butter a little bit so yeah. I, do, I do quite enjoy this yeah absolutely so can you think of any other little bits and pieces any little tips and tricks for anyone or <sighs> Yeah, covering the, this the final bit's very boring but it's the prepared side of things i kind of double check and make sure so i'm i'm a print myself a couple of copies of the list off even though i tend to do digital just in case my devices fail um i tend to uh print off a couple of copies of the list and maybe one for every opponent i think it's nice to be able to hand a copy of your list to an opponent if it's a if it's a sort of a competitive event um maybe not if you just go for a meet-up like you you are at warhammer world that kind of stuff you wouldn't need to do it then um and then it's you know your old tape measure i tend to take super glue with me so i can fix things should something snap or break um i've never been a reserve tape measure kind of i don't go that far prepared you've probably got six all lined up in like a holster or something like that um i no uh, no I, I i've got one and to be fair most of the time i'm gaming at uh you know somewhere that's got a shop so i just buy another yeah, one I, I, tend, I tend to go down that route as well we're thinking i can buy one if i need to um but yeah i have my dice and I, like i said i use my um use those uh, really useful boxes the one with the insert tray the office the office divider one so i've got pens and pencils in there and uh, little counters and things and um objective you're much markers. better than i am objective <laughs> markers always good as well because you often events don't have them you've got to use your own so i tend to have some that i've got some generic ones i made that have sort of generic bases that i've got um, dice on one to six i always have in there to use um sometimes it's cool to make them for a particular you know particular army as well as part of it but um just that kind um, of that kind of level of stuff and then i will have um i suppose if it's like the, the match play guide you know, with the all the scenarios in i'll take that with me and my quick play sheet um and i don't i tend to take the, the main rule book with me and my army book i won't take all of them uh, but i often leave those in my bag and i use my ipad and i like to use the digital versions but again the, the paper ones there I, if you um have a problem with uh, you know your digital stuff your battery running out or something like that so that's the kind of level of prepared i like to go to but i like as i like it to be neat and organized so that i've just got those two most of the time those two nine liter uh, every m um, really useful boxes stacked on top of each other one with the army and one with the books and then the tray on top with all the, the pens and stuff and that's well, i know that all i've got to do is carry around those two things i can if i can dump my bag and my coat or if i need one somewhere in the corner and i've just got those two things to carry around for the day or for the weekend that's um i feel like i've got everything i need yeah definitely i mean i i hate having to especially when you've got to move tables and you've got a million and one things to try and move that is one of my major bugbears about going to events and became very much that so that's why i'm keen to try and uh, like you have condense everything into a, a small space that's almost self-contained yeah yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'm quite interested to see what the uh, the case does and performs for that, actually, because of all it's got the pouches and stuff in the front. I can get that in there, and then the models go in the case. So yeah, they're really good. We're going to see. There's, um, I remember having years ago, having the Battle Foam War Machine bag, and you it has 
you got your pouches at the side and at the front for your dice and things, and then you have a pouch, you have a zip off bit at the side that opens up, and it's like a ring binder. Um, and you could put in um, sheets for card holders because obviously you use your your collectible card size for for War Machine for your stack cards. So you'd have like yeah, you could have all of your. I'd add my army list there, and and so you buy like A4 sheets, don't you? You could fit nine cards in. Picture it. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, have yeah. Those in ring binder style. So you'd have I'd have my lists kind of stuck in those things. So um, I would. I, I would if should they produce it i would probably buy a like a folder type thing with our, oh yeah with, with, with absolutely sheets that i could fit my uh uh lists in so yeah i'll be taking my stack cards as it goes at the moment um and you know while i'm waiting for rob to listen to the the thing in the last show and, and produce the the app so i don't need the stack cards anymore the app the the, the army building and um, game recording app to with all the all the stack cards in um it's been a couple of I'm weeks. I'm sure now. he's right on it. It's been a couple I'm of sure weeks. I'm sure he's not rested. a couple of weeks. So I reckon it could be out by the end of next week, probably. Yeah, yeah it, won't be long. it can't be long. Um, he did ask. Um, but no, something like that would be quite cool. In fact, you could probably buy them. I'm talking about ring binders type stuff. You could probably buy those sheets for those size cards anyway. You can buy the card covers, card protectors for them. So I imagine that um, the people, that, the, the companies that make those things may well do one for those. But anyway, that kind of stuff. I just like to be over-prepared and have lots of copies of stuff and like a second pen and all that. <laughs> We're really boring, aren't we? Um, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of similar. No, uh, one, although, well, no, one, no one at all listens to this. It's a tall surprise that you would be well-prepared and have everything neat and tidy, though, are they? Well, the, the, the thing is, though, um, it runs from that to the other extreme where I've got poor Ben having to run into the Warhammer World store to go and buy me a dice cube because I've left all that stuff at home. So I'm either one or the other. Uh, there's no middle you ground. Your alibi, you almost everything with life. Yeah, it's, it's it's all good fun though, and he poor 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 Ben had to do that. Bless him, and he's uh, he still reminds me to this day. <laughs> Fair play though, I'll remind him. So, yeah, I think we've reached sort of the end of that. I hope some people may have found it interesting, at least to our approach. And for those who are possibly going to their first events, you know, for my part, I've not necessarily been to any Middle Earth events yet, but I've done an awful lot of events, an awful lot of gaming for other game systems. Yeah, you have to. Be, it all transfers you, over. You need the gumph that you need for your for your particular game. Um, that you ought to be very very similar. But yeah, but don't just don't take a forty k army to your Middle Earth event, and you'll be fine. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's uh, right that's a bit on. of a faux pas. I don't, you you can't get someone to go in, nip into Warhammer World Store, and buy that one for you quickly. <laughs> no, it's um. But hopefully, some people would may have found this interesting or useful. Um, by all means, um, pop onto uh, our, our social medias and uh, tell us where we got it wrong, or give us your ideas, or share about us in the community. Join us on the uh, the Facebook group, etc. You know, um, we might um, well put up a uh, a post maybe after a couple of days of the the podcast being out, saying you know what's your suggestions, because uh, we we really ought to probably post more in there as well ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, there's other people keeping it keeping the group ticking over for us. When I when I'm not painting one big large model, um, then I'll, I'll probably put small pictures up soon. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, should we take a break? Should we go have a break and we'll come back with the heroic death match. <laughs> And welcome back. So uh, we've reached heroic deathmatch. Uh, so uh, now we've returned to a modicum of normality. And once again, uh, joined on the regular by Stu. So yes. uh, this time we've got Raza, Spang of the Serpent from the Serpent Horde army list. 
versus Huron the Tall, Warden of the Keys from Gondor. So uh, we've decided that I'm going to run Raza and uh, Stu is going to run Huron the Tall. So it's we've got this uh, almost um, sort of the, the the Viper versus the Mountain from Game of Thrones thing going on here because <laughs> Huron is massive. So uh, what do you reckon your chances are, Stu? Um, we've been talking about this. I suppose we will go through the profiles and then um, and really kind of delve into the differences. But it's they're very close in terms of points. They're very close in terms of profiles. Um, there is a special rule, which no doubt you're describing in a moment, that Raza has, which um, we, he's using in this matchup. So that gives him a good chance of, of winning the dual rolls. But um, it's going to be easier for Huron to, to hurt Raza if uh, he wins the dual rolls. So it's one of those, it's it's close enough that it could be swingy, isn't it? It's, it's down to down to those those that one type of dice difference. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Indeed. So... Um... As I said, I'm going to run uh, Raza, Fang of the Serpent. He is a man. He's Haradrim. He's an infantry hero of fortitude. When Saladan's rise to power began, other ambitious chieftains often sought to dethrone the future Serpent Lord. Whenever such conflict arose, Suladan will call on Raza, his own personal bodyguard. Unshakably loyal, Raza will be commanded to seek out the enemies of his master and dispatch them in such a way as to make an example of them for their treachery. With Raza under his command, it wasn't long before Sudan's rule was cemented and Raza would earn the moniker of Fang of the Serpent. So, yeah, he's pretty scary. So he's move six, fight four, four plus, strength four, defense five, three attacks, two wounds, courage five. He's got three might, one will, one fate. He's got armor and a spear, heroic strike and heroic challenge. His special rules is Bane of Kings, Swarm Protector for Sudan. And the rule we're going to be using for this is the Serpent's Weapon. At the start of the game, secretly select one hero model in your opponent's force to be Raza's target and write it down. I don't think we need to be circumspecting this. It's going to be Huron. <laughs> At the start of a fight where Raza is engaged with his target, you should then reveal this to your opponent. So I reveal this to uh, my opponents too. I'm going to stab him up. Can you make it someone else? Raz, uh, yeah, next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Raza's fight value is increased by two for the duration of the fight. So for the effects of this fight, Raza will be fight value six. So that's how it affects that. So uh, take it away, Stu. What's uh, Huron bringing to the table? So Huron the Tall, Warden of the Keys. He's 80 points, so five points more than, than Raza is. So he's Man of Gondor, Infantry Hero, Hero of Valor. An important officer of the armies of Minas Tirith, Huron was the Warden of the Keys to the city during the War of the Ring. His name suggests Huron boasted an impressive stature and possessed strength to match. Fighting valiantly at the Battle of Pelennor, Huron, along with Imrahul, came to the aid of Aemer following the new king's fit of grief after the defeat of Sauron, with Denethor dead, Faramir incapacitated in the Houses of Healing, and Aragorn not yet crowned. The rule of Minas Tirith briefly fell to Hurin as the Warden of the Keys. Um, it's quite a cool little um, sort of background he's got there. You can, uh, I can imagine you could do a nice little themed force around him just based around that short period just just after the battle and uh, um maybe ally in some rohan and, and and things like that as well it'd be quite cool wouldn't it you could do a really sort of themey just after the battle just sweet you know going out to raid yeah. and uh, get rid of etc as well yeah it'd be really be really nice to do a cool theme of it um anyway he is movement six fight five um four for shoot um strength four defense six Two attacks, um, two wounds, courage five, and he's three, one, one on might, will, fate. Um, so the Warden Sword, 
Um, this is a master forge hand and half weapon. He has heroics resolve, strike, and strength. He can take a horse for ten points. Um, a big horse, I imagine. Um, and then his special rules in the defence of a king. As Warden of the Keys, it is Hurin's sworn duty to protect the king or steward of Gondor at all costs. Whilst he was in three inches of either Denethor or Aragorn King Elisar, Hurin gains the fearless special rule and may re-roll a single d6 when making a dual roll. Which is quite, quite cool, quite fluffy, I like that. And then the other one is Line of Command. Should Minas Tirith ever be without a ruler, it falls to the Warden of the Keys to command the city until a new steward or king is in place. If the leader of your army is a Gondor hero, then whilst Turin the Tall is alive on the battlefield, your opponent cannot score victory points for slaying the enemy leader. I really like that as well. So I think he's a cool profile. Competitively wise, I've you know, not, not used him. I don't know how he stacks up, and I'm sure I heard about it on other podcasts and things talking about it, but um, I, like the, I like the profile. I like the special rules. They tick the boxes that that I like as a as a kind of more of a narrative style game and they all seem to work with a fluff which is which is cool. In terms of our matchup, I suppose you got one more attack as well, which we um um when we were doing that little pre chat before we went for the profile. So I think that that's um gonna be a benefit to you as well. So your extra attack and the higher fight means you've got a pretty good chance of winning these dual rolls. Um so I just need to hope that you don't roll the five ups you need to wound um afterwards. So I um Especially if we're both striking and things as well. So, yeah, I, I just can't I believe he hasn't got a poison weapon. <laughs> so, I just don't get Of all of the uh, sort of personal bodyguard and assassins, he's more likely to have a, a poison weapon than anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, when you take away, if you, if you factor out the special rules that Huron's not you can't use in this and the fact that you've got those, I think in many ways, you probably can't be, I think, I think Raza might just edge it because I think the winning the dual roll is key really, isn't it? It's not the, yes. it's not, so I think he's got, he's got more of a chance because you've got an extra attack dice and you've got an, a higher fight to start with, but it's one of those that they're close enough that should you fluff your, your dual roll, um, Huron um, has got, got we'll good him to doing pieces the quite quickly. Um, yeah, well, again, they'll only be run, rolling two dice. We've both got a, you know, both got um, a fate. So who knows? We will see anyway. Yeah, and I am rolling uh, Battle Streams dice, so I've uh, taken some of my edge away. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm going to use miniature rolls ones, actually. I don't think uh, I've used Pre microwaved, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. They come like that from my supplier now. He knows the way I like them. Excellent stuff. So, uh, Let's go into round one. So, are you going to strike? Uh, yeah, I feel like I feel I should do. Um, all right, then. Let's see what we get for that. Oh, one. I'm adding one. I, I, yeah, I wasn't going to strike. I was going to roll a roll on my um, the, the the fight value on that one because uh, I'm fight six. Uh, gives me an edge. So uh, we are both equal fight, which is going to be fun. Oh, okay, so I've got a six high, six five, and a four. All right then. And you've got it. I'm five high. Right, I'm going to need strength four. Most defense six. I'm going to need fives. I have a five and a six and a three. So uh, you've lost a point of fate. Well, you can still use it, obviously. He's dead anyway because there's only one wound. So uh, two wounds. Is he? Oh yeah, he is. Yeah, human's got two wounds. Of course he has. It's captured. You. That was better. So, so you can yeah. roll. Uh, Let me try my fate. fate. Um, saved. Yep. So he's down to eight wound. All right then. Second turn. I am going to strike up. Um. Two. On a two, so I'm fight eight. Uh, four. So I got up to nine. Eight, sorry. Uh, eight. We're both the same. No, you're right. fight five plus four, nine. You are, oh, you are. Looking at the, yeah, I'm looking, I've got both bits of paper here, and I'm looking at the wrong sheet. Um, <laughs> I've got a five high. 
You need that five or a six, do No, I... Do I want to use my last might to... Uh... Both on the same fight as well, aren't we? I'm going to roll off. You're not going to have to, otherwise you're going to kill him. So I'm going to use the last might to might up to a five to draw it. Go on, and then it. I'm going to use a point of uh, might to put well. me on to a six yeah. to win it. Go for it. And, and then I've got one point of might left. I need one five. I have a four, which I'm going to might up to a five. So I that slays him. Yeah, I think as predicted that the... Uh, the extra dice you're rolling on the higher fight to start with just gives you all of the the utility there to um, put pressure on, so to speak. Um, need to you need to kind of get lucky early, I reckon, and uh, you have a bad a bad first um, a dual roll and to win it and then uh, score big. But uh, cool though, I think they um, yeah. I think on the battlefield when they're not not beating up like that, then I think um, they're both both got some good use. Huron's a bit more all round. Um, I'd say Huron's probably more dangerous on the battlefield because Raz is obviously that's very specific that plus two well, to fight. I say more all, more all round utility, whereas Raz is potentially more dangerous, isn't he? Um, using him as an as assassin. Yeah, um, as a yeah, for a very specific purpose. But then again, generally Huron wouldn't be your leader. No, no, no. Well, you wouldn't want him to be with the special rules that uh, you know. Well, one of the special yeah. rules, anyway. Would you? You want to make use of that? So, I think a good you, you don't there. want him to be your leader anyway, because both the special yeah. rules you're going to be designing a list around him, um, fighting along with your leader. Hopefully, Aragorn. I imagine if you're going for uh, a, a a fighty strong list, you won't want him hanging around with with Denethor. Um, so that makes him tougher, and then making making sure that uh, if you do kill. Uh, um, Aragorn, you don't get the points for slaying the leader as well. So I, I, that's the way you'd use him, isn't it? But um, I don't fancy uh, Raz's chances against uh, Aragorn, especially Aragorn Elisar, to be honest with you. But... Pro- probably not, <laughs> but um, you never know. You never know. You know well, this is very true. This is a nice game. So it appears that my luck's changed. My uh, my time in the wilderness, fighting uh, all and sundry from across the uh, the country, has aided me in my uh, fighting against you. I've, I think it's just because I stopped using the, the gold one ring dice. Which... I think it is. I'm thoroughly surprised <laughs> that everyone the, knows uh, are just strictly. I still haven't used them. They're still sitting on my, apart from that initial roll, they're sitting on my, in my little display shelf with, with some of my uh, knickknacks and things. <laughs> well, without further ado, that was uh, all good fun and uh, we'll see what happens with the, the next matchup. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, take a break and come back for the close. And here we are again at the end, ready to close the showdown. So I will pass you straight over to Dan. Dan, who would you like to shout out before we let everyone go? Well, everyone for listening because we waffled on a bit there. But uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the episode. It's um, just talking about stuff that, you know, interests us and, you know, it takes our mind on occasion. So, yes, thank you very much for, for listening to us. Um, as usual, uh, thanks to the content providers are awesome, putting out some great stuff at the moment. Uh, anyone who's contacting us or you know supporting us in any way on our endeavors on any of our social medias and uh you know just generally to my local group the legion of peterborough war gamers yep absolutely i i echo all of that um it's nice to hear there's still loads and loads of content out there at the moment that's not really gone away during any of this time and now we've got events coming back i'm looking forward to um the upcoming ent moots that i know that you're going to talk about um 
the events he's just run, etc. So I'm looking forward to hearing that stuff and going, but you know, all, all of the stuff that we can feel make the world feel more normal. And Harry doing interviews with with people after games is is part of that world, I think. Um, but yeah, it's all good stuff at the moment. Um, other than that, not too much more to say. I'm um, I'm I'm doing a parachute jump soon. When I say soon, I've forgotten the date already. That's not good, is it? My wife signed me up for this. Now she she didn't force me to. So basically, my, my wife is doing a parachute jump um, for RMHC, which is Ronald McDonald House Charities. And what they essentially what they do is they um, provide support to parents when their children are ill. Um, so some of the things they do might be provide them with places to stay nearby a special hospital, for example. So if you uh, if you live in I don't know in Oxford but you've got to send your child to a specialist hospital in Birmingham and it's too far to commute every day but they're very 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 poorly and you want to be close to them they can there's flats and things you can share or there's sometimes respite places you can go and spend a few days with them so that kind of thing and I've been charity's been going for years there they've got different sites all over the place and I think the one that she'll be raising money for is the one in Bristol um, but she said, would you like to do a parachute jump as well? And it's something I've always wanted to do, to be honest with you. So I think I made a joke when I told people about it originally on, on Facebook um, about being press ganged into it. But I'm not at all. I really, really something I want to do. So I, what I'll do is I will um, I will post a link in the show notes, but I'll, I'll probably mention it a couple of times over the next two shows or so. I think it's in August I'm doing this. And I will post it in our September, September, September. 4th of September. A little bit more time. Um, but we've got a race six hundred pounds so um, if anyone did feel like they want would like to uh, put some money towards seeing me jump out of a plane you won't get to see me in fact i might GoPro. pro i've got a GoPro. i might take might do a GoPro. if i do and, and it records okay i would post the video in our group but uh i don't want to make any uh final promises just in you, case it doesn't you work. need to get a out frying pan <laughs> t-shirt for that i think i'll be all covered up won't i i think i'll be in um in brown probably I, th- I think they probably have some um some safety rules around that though whereas they'll put me in some overalls and i'll have a hopefully have a parachute attached to me at some point and uh like a goggles and a hat and something like that so i was not sure out of the frying pan's gonna be able to show up um but i'll be jumping out of a plane rather than out of a frying pan but any, any it's, this isn't this isn't like when dad dan did his um awesome raffle um this is this is something that's not really directly related to the podcast i'm just using the fact that i have a podcast to mention it but it is it is a good charity and uh, i wanted to support my wife with it while also getting the chance not gonna lie the chance to jump out of a plane um but we need to raise raise money and that money goes to a good place so i will post the link up and i'll probably stick it up in our group as well so if people wonder why it suddenly appears if anyone did want to sling um even if it's just a quid or something anything that uh, helps to get us towards the uh, the 600 pound target would be fantastic Fantastic. Anyway, thank you very much for that. Um, please do you know, head over to our social media. So please do like our Facebook page if you are able to um, join our Facebook group um, and get involved there and post stuff because we keep forgetting to. But the, the, the community in there is actually still doing stuff, which is good. Um, you can check, find us and follow us on Instagram at OOTFP podcast and on Twitter at OOTFP. And you can email us directly at OOT. I think I've read this enough now that I should be able to do this on my sleep. OOTFP podcast at gmail.com. Um, and we do have a sister YouTube channel as well, which, uh, again, it's not constant content going up all the time, but we do put some videos and things up there. So if you uh, if you haven't checked that before, it's well worth going to have a look. 
But thank you very much for listening and making it. No one's listening at this point, are they? They just see us <laughs> ramble and ramble on for a very long segment. And then I start talking about parachute jumps and stuff. No one's there. So the three of you that are still listening, thank you. Um, and uh, uh, we will catch you soon. 